faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to another segment of First of the Day. Today's verse comes from Proverbs 16, 9, which says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. <coughs> so the word plans in Proverbs usually involves wicked schemes. Gaining nothing, 
but rather that a riot was beginning. It's the key part. But rather that a riot was beginning. He took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So the first thing we should notice here is that Jesus, as we have already, as has, <coughs> as has already been stated, was put on trial for treason and not blasphemy. Because treason was the only crime that the religious leaders could legally seek to have Jesus executed for. And the second thing we see is that Pilate's greatest, Pilate's <coughs> greatest sin was compromising what he knew to be true and right to gain the favor of the crowd and to protect his own reputation. Which does not mean that Pilate was weak or wishy-washy. Which is how he is often portrayed and talked about. Because if he was either of those things, then he would not have been a governor of a Roman province. However, it does mean that Pilate took the easy way out by ordering Jesus' execution. Even though he knew that Jesus was guilty of disturbing the peace at the most. And not the crime of treason. Then why did Pilate find Jesus guilty of treason, even though there was absolutely no evidence for Pilate to reach this conclusion, or for Pilate to base this conclusion on? Simply because Pilate was trying to save his job, and more importantly to him, his life. The whole point of all of this is to show that exercising a ritual, such as washing one's hands, cannot excuse one from their guilt when they have done wrong, which very simply means that we must back up our beliefs with bold and proper actions. So this section of Matthew ends with these words, then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. That's 27, 26. So before we go any further, I'm going to have to warn you that this section is going to be at times graphic. Because in order to truly understand what is happening at the end of this section of Matthew, what is happening in the next section of Matthew, what is happening in the next section of Matthew, the events have to be described in all their graphic detail. So the scourging or the flogging that occurred here was the fourth stage of Christ's suffering leading up to his crucifixion. So the, the Roman flogging consisted of the victim being stripped of his garments and stretched against a pillar or bent over a low post <coughs> with his hands tied. The instrument of torture was a short wooden handle that had several strips of leather attached to it with bits of iron or bone interwoven into the pieces of leather. And this instrument was called a flagrum. Two men 
usually with the victim one lashing the victim from one side and one from the other side. This resulted in the flesh being cut so severely that veins, arteries, and sometimes even inner organs were exposed and sometimes victims died during the flogging. So in other words, it would tear the flesh off the back and shoulders of a person. It would cause internal bruising and bleeding to this person to the point that sometimes these people died when they were flogged. So those of you who know anything about the 18th and 19th century history, this punishment or form of torture should sound familiar. So flogging was used in both the military and naval forces of both the United States and the United Kingdom through the early to middle parts of the 19th century for the fact So this ugly and vulgar form of punishment was outlawed for the simple reason that it was considered to be too harsh even by the rules harshness standards of the 19th century. In fact, Charles Oman, the historian of the Peninsular War, wrote about this, about the punishment of flogging. If anything was calculated to brutalize an army, it was the wicked cruelty of the British Military Punishment Code, which linked into the end of his life supported. There was plenty of authority received his 500 lashes for a fault which was small or which involved no moral guilt was often turned thereby from a good soldier into a bad soldier by losing his self-respect and having his sense of justice seared out good officers knew this well enough and did their best to avoid the cat or nine tails to try more rational means more often than not with success so Oman's quote gives the whole purpose of someone being flogged, which was not to punish, but was rather to inflict humiliation on the person being flogged. We will talk about that more later. So as we have seen, flogging was a brutal form of torture, and the severe flogging that Jesus endured was sure the greatest physical reason that he was unable to carry his own cross all the way to Golgotha, which by the way was the hill that he was crucified on. However, we must remember these words from the prophet Isaiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, and brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. So this next section of Matthew deals with the fifth and sixth stages of Christ suffering on his way to the cross. In this section says, Then the soldier of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and took the root and struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. 
that's 27, that's 27, 27 to 31. So Matthew 27, 27 to 31 is describing the fifth stage of Jesus' suffering, which says this. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. So in this fifth stage, Jesus is untied and placed in the middle of a group of Roman soldiers. Probably about 600 men who put a robe across his shoulders, put a stick in his hand, and put a circle of branches covered with long thorns on his head. The soldiers then make fun of him as they hit him across the face and the head, driving the thorns deeper into his scalp. Now we must remember this all occurred after Jesus had already been flogged. Which means that the robe that was placed across the shoulders and probably over his back would have been placed over open and untreated wounds. This, ultimate, this ultimately means that when they ripped this robe off of Jesus, they were tearing away more flesh and reopening any wounds that may or may not have healed or congealed and causing more pain and humiliation. Which we must remember was the whole point of this particular style of execution in the Roman mind. So the very last part of Matthew twenty-seven thirty-one, going on over into Matthew twenty-seven thirty-two, <laughs> tells of the sixth stage of Christ's sufferings, which says, "And they led him away to crucify him." As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. <clears throat> In this, the sixth section of Christ's sufferings, a heavy wooden cross beam is tied to Jesus' shoulder. Bearing in mind the abuse that Jesus' shoulders and back have already taken, it is at this point in time that Jesus begins his slow journey to Calgotha, sometimes referred to as Calvary, the hill on which Jesus would be crucified. It is the weight of this wooden crossbeam combined with the sheer physical exhaustion from everything that has happened up to this point in time that causes Jesus to fall. Jesus continue Jesus attempts to continue his death march, but is an, but is unable to because of the damage that has already been inflicted on his body. It is at this point in time that a man named Simon is then forced to carry Jesus' cross the rest of the way. And I'll put this in perspective for you. So most of you will either be reading this or listening to this live in English speaking countries who have direct ties back to England. And you're thinking and you're thinking, thank God that we live in a civilized society. 
It does not inflict such torture on people accused of crimes as the Roman did. You're thinking, thank God we live in a society that's based on a civilized society that has based on rules and laws and doesn't believe in torture. Torture never applied a part of the English criminal code. So as you've already seen, flogging was a common punishment for petty things in both the United States and the United Kingdom. But the point that I'm trying to make here is a tradition. And for a long time, statutory, mind that word statutory, that means the lawful penalty for high treason, which was what Jesus was convicted of and executed for in England, was to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. So when we say drawn, that means the convicted traitor was fastened to a hurdle or a wooden panel and drawn by a horse to the place of execution. It means they were dragged behind a horse on this piece of wood. So that the entire place they were being taken to further, the entire town or city being executed in could see this happening and hurl insult at this person. Should all sound should be starting to sound a little bit familiar. The convicted traitor was then hanged almost to the point of death. Emasculated, disemboweled, beheaded, and then quartered, which means to be chopped into four pieces. So all this should sound familiar because it is very, very similar to what Jesus endured for you in forms. For you see, our unforgiven sins make us, in essence, traitors to God. Because in our unforgiven sins, we have rebelled against God and taken sides with Satan, <coughs> who was cast out of heaven because he wanted to place himself in the same position as God. He wanted to take God's place in the universe, which is what we essentially say when we sin against God, when we commit sins that are unforgiven. So the prophet Isaiah describes Jesus' death in this way. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. <coughs> As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marked beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of children of mankind. <coughs> So he shall sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see. And that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground. <coughs> he had no form of majesty that we should look at him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as though one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. <coughs> Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. 
Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of God to crush him. He was <coughs> he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering offspring, and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, and the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities, therefore I will divide him and a portion of the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and makes an accession for the transgression, transgressors. And as Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12, and we will see how all this works tomorrow as we deal with the final four stages of Christ's sufferings and with his death in this horrible manner truly means for us. And tomorrow's Bible readings are Exodus 35, 10 through 36, 38, <coughs> Matthew 27, 32 through 66, Psalm 34, 1 through 10, and Proverbs 9, 7 through 8.